Welcome to Tell Me More About Cohousing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Cohousing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We've broken ground on the first co-housing project in Houston, Texas. Hey, Lynn. Hey, Kelly. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see you again. I missed you. I know. Thank you. Yes, (laughs) I'm all relaxed from my surprisingly very co-housing-y spring break. It really reminded me of living in co-housing because we had a lot of uh, communal spaces in the mm. in the place where we were staying, mm-hmm. and uh, at one point we had a power outage due to snow, and oh, yes. everyone came out, yeah, of all of their you know rooms and everything, and everybody was playing cards in the library, and then we all went and lingered over the the meal in front of the fireplace because that was the warmest, brightest place to be, and was very lovely and makes me look forward to having a common house again. Maybe maybe we're going to have to like introduce more power outages even in our co-housing. <laughs> Seems like that's a theme for community in the 21st century. Have a power outage so you can talk to your neighbor. Yeah. Turn the power off on Friday. Turn it back yeah. on on Friday. It's all good. <laughs> well, I'm sure you're coming back thinking about having spent the week with kids. And I've been thinking about kids in co-housing. Um, just reflecting on some conversations we had before you took off for spring break as we were planning for our face-to-face retreat. So we're having our first face-to-face all-member explorer retreat this coming weekend since COVID, which is, yeah, we're just like, yeah, please, whatever sub-variant is floating around there, just wait until Monday, please, because we're all ready to go. But anyway, I was just really I've been thinking a lot about your comments about how we involve the children in a planning meeting. And I think that even with the best intentions in mind, your average um, you know, person coming to plan an event like that kind of defaults to the way we handle kids in big group events. And you know, unless there's a specifically designated kids program, the adults just tend to look to ways to dispatch them off somewhere. So they're quiet, they're invisible. uh, They can do some little, little, you know, you know, make busy project that maybe we can all ooh and ah over at the end. But really it's in the end of the day, it's kind of a make busy, please stay out of our way um, so that we can do the real work that adults need to do. And I'm so glad that you were thinking about this too, because um, I just had this thought too, as as mm-hmm. uh, you know, parent of three kids and and who's married. So so there are two of us, and in general, you if if it's dispatch the kids, then you really either get me or you get my husband. You don't yeah. get the both of us in the room. You only get one of the two parents, and that's really hard in co-housing when both parents can't participate mm-hmm. fully. So when you kind of do that, where the problem not only do the kids need to be dispatched, but then it's up to the parents to figure out how to make that happen. Sure. Then it's, it's a big burden. And that's not really kind of the multi-generational approach that we are working towards, which is that these are members of our community and it's mm-hmm. up to everybody to, you know, help integrate everyone in our community. So I'm really glad that that, that stuck with you. Yeah, it did. And I mean, I recognize that it's difficult because we don't always know We don't have that um, experience at our fingertips to draw on. I mean, some of us have been more successful maybe in the kitchen at home, depending on how comfortable you are in the kitchen yourself and are willing to to work with mess and mistakes. 
But, you know, once you move out of that arena, maybe in the garage and things, but when you start thinking about this weekend coming up, which is going to have a lot of business topics, you know, it's really a challenge for us to, and I don't know that we have it worked out and Saturday is just four days away, but, you know, um, you know, for example, if we work on some small team process, you know, I'm just completely brainstorming here on live TV, if you will. Um, you know, could we have the kids do some sort of process that they come back and talk to, or does that always require more adult intervention? I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of learning and thinking yeah. about this. Well, and again, you know, it depends on what kids you have. If you've got a bunch mm -hmm. of toddlers, then, then you've Clearly. got one group of kids. But if you have a real kind of multi-gen, which we are light on toddlers in our group, actually, we're pretty heavy mm -hmm. on teens and tweens. So we have kind of a group of, of kids who can do some meaningful work together. And mm -hmm. I mean, just like adults bond by doing meaningful work, so right. do kids, you know? And, and when kids are little, their meaningful work is play, but as they get older, it isn't anymore. And so for them to have some form of meaningful work in the community is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just I think that the first step in making any kind of changes in life is just thinking about it, becoming aware of where you are lacking knowledge and then ideas and then really just kind of putting it out there. And I do have great faith in our group that the more we put these challenges out there, then the more uh, people do rise to them. So just kind of the, the meaningful work. I know you've got some great examples of how you've been able to break down tasks that um, come in the community work days, which seem yeah. maybe a little bit more easy to come up with, but still, I think you've got some really nice stories there. But meals also, you know, I think even for our retreat this weekend, I think one of the meaningful tasks that the kids can easily do is like filling water jugs and mm. putting glasses out. I mean, that's, that's something mm -hmm. that from a very young age kids can do. Um, they also often like set the table, put out the forks, make sure all the knives are out. If mm -hmm. they know their way around, you know, the common house or around the space, they're very, very capable. And it's something that they can do and they can do it together. It's a fun mm -hmm nice thing to do. And then they're literally a part of the meal as opposed to just being a guest. Yeah. Tag along. Um, I also think about, you know, as they get a little bit older, then they're able to cut vegetables or we did meal planning. The kids uh, cooked a meal uh, once every round. And so we planned the meal, figured out what they wanted to make, figured out what they needed for that. Mm -hmm. They all would show up and do the prep work. They would cook it. They would serve it. They would do the dishes afterwards. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty robust. You know, it was like any group of adults because we had enough kids who were older and enough kids who were younger mm -hmm. that it was, uh, it was fun and interesting to them to do that. Um, and then I also think, yeah, about work days, you know, from a pretty young age too, kids can come and pick up like the branches that have been, you know, trimmed off and they can take those over to the compost pile. Or, um, I tell a story about my three-year-old who would be, <laughs> was the one who would go under the mm. apple trees and pick up downed apples because she was small and that was a great job for mm -hmm. her. Whereas the rest of us who were taller, that Tricky sounded yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who wants to do that all day? No. She wanted to do it all day. So yeah, I think finding meaningful work, thinking about the mm -hmm. things in your project or in your work that kids, um, kids have an affinity for, or that mm -hmm. they have some relationship with, you know, that's, right. that's the meaning is that they need yeah. to have some relationship with the work. So I'm I'm curious if we if we crack the nut on the meaningful work before we move in, which I think we could be really powerful. We're, we're still working on that. But once once you kind of crack the nut on the meaningful work piece, 
How do you then transition them from these hands-on tasks to getting them more involved in the conversation? How, do, how does that happen? Yeah, so what I've noticed is that there's kind of a point, and I think people probably have noticed this with kids in their own families. There's a point where kids stop being you know, part of the scrum and mm. they kind of start to like realize, oh, hello, there's an adult world here. And they often spend a lot of time at first just listening, you know, sitting at the mm -hmm. table and listening or standing next to the adults and listening to what is the conversation is, you know, where is that headed? And then eventually one day they crack a joke or they, <laughs> you know, make a comment and you can see the look on their face like, I'm trying this out, you know, mm -hmm. that happens in causing too. I think it just happens at a little bit of a younger age. And it's a little bit more accelerated because a lot of the work, the kind of spoken thought work of co-housing is actually accessible to kids. You know, mm. I think about the, the board that I'm on here in Houston, um, you know, if we were talking about like insurance rates, my kids don't mm. care. Like, they don't have right, any, yeah. they don't know. But, you know, for co-housing, if we're talking about pet policy, mm -hmm. or if we we're talking about, you know, quiet hours for the common house they would have an opinion on that and they would mm. have enough information and knowledge about it to be able to follow the conversation and, you know, potentially participate in the conversation. So I think mm. that that's maybe one of the magical things is that because you're all living together in co-housing, you have a lot of shared experiences with kids. And mm -hmm. so then they're able to, that gives them like the on-ramp, you know, for mm. having greater conversations. Yeah. I, you know, a thought just occurred to me that because they witness or they're able to witness more decision-making process um, in a co-housing community than they would maybe in a small single parent unit driven family, they, they maybe learn more because a lot of parent conversations take place after the kids are in bed or, you know, they're off doing something else. And then you to sit down the, whoever the parents are or the, whatever that construct looks like, or even if you're a single parent, that conversation is not really happening out loud with the kids in the same way. So they get to kind of learn in a way that about things that that I don't remember ever hearing about as a kid. My parents never discussed any kind of decisions about anything, even if it was paint colors, you know, right. let alone financial decisions. Oh my gosh, my girls could tell you volumes about the last paint decision that in our community in Colorado. Was... You know, that that makes me think of one of your girls who uh, brought up uh, the question about the name of our project. So the, the, the address that we've purchased, you know, on the books um, is on a certain street called Delmar. And I guess one of your girls had done some research on the history of street names in Houston at school. And that prompted her being the kind of former homeschooled, uh, independent <laughs> thinking kid that she is, she decided to look up Delmar and she didn't like what she found. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She, she found that this guy didn't want schools to be desegregated. And so she actually brought it. I don't know if she mentioned to you that she was going to say no. something in front of the group because <laughs> no. she suddenly just blurts it out in front of this whole group and everybody just like, wow, who is speaking with such authority? She knew more than we did. And she was so definite about what was going to be right and wrong that everybody took notice. And as a result, we filed uh, with the city of Houston to have a different address name. So we're using another street 
I hope that guy doesn't show up to be some bad character. But for right now, Lennox, we appear to have no dirt on Lennox, yes. whoever Give me Lennox. A guy dirt, <laughs> Give me a good guy, Lennox, please. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think that the thing that made her feel confident to do that is that she knows in this setting, if mm. she speaks up, people will listen to her as opposed to blow blow it off or not mm. listen at all or ask her to be quiet or mm. step back or you know there are a lot of kind of adult interactions where um a kid isn't really explicitly um welcomed you know they they just kind of aren't <laughs> and so i think that to feel that comfort in co-housing that you are a person also and that you mm -hmm. can you know try these things out and do these things it's a safe space kind of like your you know like your family dinner table is you know mm -hmm. your kids will say things that they wouldn't sure. necessarily say at a big dinner party but they'll say it to to you at the dinner table because right. it's a safe space i think that that that's one of the magical things about mm -hmm. co-housing is you have that longevity of relationship mm -hmm. and it gives them comfort for that well that that kind of leads us into meals you know like yeah i was gonna about, say <laughs> yeah yeah, meals, you know, meals, there are a couple of, of different ways that I think meals are really beneficial to kids in co-housing. Um, the first is just when they're small, you know, they, they will try things that they mm. wouldn't try at home um, because all of their friends are doing it, you know, mm -hmm. which, you know, could, could be terrible peer pressure. But in the case of meals, it's usually really great peer pressure. <laughs> There's a, a group of kids in my former community who, uh, who didn't this kid swore he didn't like mango he just wouldn't eat it and then <laughs> all of the kids went through this huge like frozen mango phase and then you know lo and behold he's like gobbling down mango with everybody else because <laughs> everybody else is doing it so I think that just from that kind of social norming perspective mm -hmm. it's really great um and then as kids get older they can sit around and listen you know mm. you notice them start to separate from the kids who are going off and you know, having a, a, you know, playing sardines or, you know, out, out at the playground, playing groundies. Instead, some kids start to, as they get mm. older, they start to linger and they start to listen. And then they maybe start to, you know, have a conversation too and try mm -hmm. that out. It's really a, a nice way of having them, um, giving them a, a, a path into adult life. I think that mm. that's really, they can see this path. So you know, th that reminds me of the story that Jesse Durrett told us when we interviewed her. So that's Chuck Durrett's and Katie McCammett's daughter, where she talked about how growing up in co-housing, she kind of transitioned into that, you know, post-kid scrum, you know, phase that you're talking about. And she was um, what ended up being the swim instructor for a lot of the little kids and teaching the little kids. And I think one of the things that really... I think is really notable about that is that I think if you come from a very adult oriented world, even when you're socializing, it's kind of like packaging up events that the kids go off and do or something. And this is shifting into a different kind of arena um, that, you know, they, they're, they're part of the community in such a different way. And they also have this role in addressing the the younger generation we we tend to to lump them into a single bucket like you're under 18 you're a kid yeah. and you're in college you're back and forth you're in this awkward trying to be an adult phase and then you are a new hire and then supposedly you've just leapt into full adulthood i mean that that to me is the model that i witness outside of co-housing yeah. i think what what i'm hearing from you is that 
you know, that whole thing is accelerated to the earlier in life, much earlier. And also from Jesse, we learned that you shouldn't think of this bucket called kids as just this whole big lump. But even within that, there's all kinds of different rungs in that ladder of the kid ladder. And that because we all have this, uh, it's more like being in a, in a bigger extended family where the older cousins are kind of taking care of the younger cousins, they're teaching them, they're bringing them along. Sometimes they teach them really good things. Sometimes they teach them bad things, you know, it's all mixed up in there. Um, and I think that is, is incredibly enriching in a world where most family units have fewer kids and have a, a much, much narrower extended family experience. So that just reminded me, Lynn, so my oldest um, was, had given up dolls, like pretty much completely, you know, she just was done and she'd moved on to other things. But then there was this little girl in the community who was younger than my youngest. So like, in you know, if you, if you slotted this kid into our family structure, she would have been like the fourth daughter that we never had. And she was Aww. quite a bit younger and she used to come over and she wanted to play with my oldest dolls. And my oldest would sit with her and play. Aww. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's so sweet for this, you know, neighbor kid. But then really, it's really sweet for my oldest too, to be able to not, mm. she doesn't have to pack up her childhood and call it done. You know, she gets to participate still in things that were really sweet and lovely to her. It's like, you get to extend this, the nice parts of your childhood mm -hmm. a little bit longer, nice. just like for us as adults, you know, if, if you don't have kids in your life, you're probably yeah. not doing a lot of like Easter egg hunting or whatever, right, you know, right. things that are fun and sweet. But when you've got kids around, suddenly you get to revisit those parts of your childhood too. So yes. I think it's important to think that that, that also there, the rungs on the ladder, it works on a lot of different dimensions mm. and brings a lot of value to not only adults and not only to the youngest, but also to, to older kids. Mm. as Nice. Yeah. I wanted to, um, I wanted to bring up the safety topic mm. though, Lynn, because this is one that we get questions about yeah. and one that, you know, I think it's important if you have kids and you are moving into co-housing mm. or you're forming co-housing, I think this is an important topic to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what do you do about multi-gen and mm. safety? You know, do you, you've got people of all different ages, all different backgrounds, especially when you first move in, you do not know each other that well, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like you've lived together for 20 years or anything. Um, and so we get that question a lot. And Lynn, you relate sometimes to, uh, your faith community about what right. they do. So we have a program um, in, in, our, in our church or with any ministry that we get involved in where you have to go through, uh, it's called safeguarding our children program. And, you know, even though you, you know, every, I have to, and you have to renew it every few years and you have to get references and on the surface, it might seem like, okay, I know all of this, but I have to say every time I take it, it is a really good reminder of certain things that you need to be careful about. And, you know, you're not just trying to protect the kids, you're trying to protect the adults from being implicated in things and making sure that they don't cross certain boundaries. And, you know, I really noticed, so like I, one of our community members asked me to go and pick up their, their child from school. And, you know, we hadn't had this conversation about any of this. And I picked up the kid from school and he comes running out there and just gives me the biggest bear hug ever, you know, yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking, oh, 
is yeah. this okay? I don't yeah. know. You know, I went, uh, you know, so because my training says, no, don't touch this kid. So, yeah. you know, I, but I think that's where having the awareness around what all the boundaries are, making it very transparent, having the conversation so that you enter into an agreement, you know, certain, I'm assuming Kelly, that when you lived in co-housing with younger children, you had certain rules around, you can't go to this house. You can go to this house. Cause I know the yeah. mom and dad and the kids. I think it's just making sure that we're very consistent and having the conversation so that everybody, there's a blanket of protection over absolutely everybody. And you're not creating a question marks in people's yeah. minds, you know? Yeah. I feel like it's such a shared burden. You know, it's, it's parents need to have their own boundaries. And I feel like each family had their own, you know, like you, this is your kind of approved list of, of houses. Yeah go into or you must call me or text me when you go into somebody's house you know anybody's yeah. house or you cannot be in the common house by yourself or you know just right. everybody had different different rules but their kids knew what those rules were right. and other parents generally knew what those parents rules were also like hey does your mom know that you're here let me text her and let her know you know just to be supportive and to make sure that everybody is on the same page and then i think too the community itself needs to kind of like your faith community has, has like brings it out into the open, talks about it mm -hmm. and then has agreed upon norms. I think that that's really important in co-housing, you know, like mm -hmm. what, at one point there was some discussion about uh, doors, you know, doors in the mm -hmm. common house, they'd be wood, wouldn't that be beautiful? And, but no, it's not, and they need to be glass. People need to mm -hmm. be able to see into what's in there and, you know, what's happening, what's going on because we want kids to be safe and we want adults to be aware and we want everybody to kind of have some, some skin in the game so that we all are taking responsibility. Yeah. But yeah, that's a question that we get with some frequency. I'm sure other co-housing communities get that question also. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, you know, stay tuned on that, you know, as the kids move in and, um, and we start working through this, I know our, uh, wellness and safety committee is already active and starting to think about some of these things and collect resources and questions that we'll need to address. So um, I'm really glad that we're having that conversation early because I think you start to think about it in all of our interactions now, you know, already to see, you know, how does this feel and, and what am I okay with and what am I not okay with? You know, can my kid be going around hugging every adult? <laughs> Right. You know, yeah. Are you okay with that or not? You know, so yeah. anyway, yeah. well, this is a great conversation about kids, Kelly. Thanks for suggesting this for today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we'd love to hear from you if you have kids specific policies in your community or issues mm -hmm. you've encountered with multi-gen living, please uh, put it in the comments because we'd love to uh, read about it or shoot yeah. us an email. And uh, yeah, we'd really love to know. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to the real life experience as opposed to just the <laughs> theoretical conversation every week. So stay tuned next week. Yeah. We'll talk about the fact that we saw each other in person. Yes. Okay. Let's see what we can come up with next week about the real live face to face um, <laughs> with people coming in from out of town. So super excited about all that. Really so exciting. thank you, Kelly, and glad you got back from spring break safe and sound. And thanks to our listeners for stopping by today. We're so glad you clicked on our episode. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Cohousing, and we'll see you next time. Bye.
Bye.